Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the station bringing you every Broncos game. Touchdown, Denver! This is Broncos Country Tonight, presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports on KOA. My request from Nick Ferguson. Spice Girls. Were you a Spice Girls fan? No, why are you trying to put that on me? Do you have a favorite Spice Girl? I just told you I'm not a Spice Girl. Tried to trick you with that one with the follow-up. Didn't work. You were were too young for the Spice Girls, weren't you? No, man. The Spice Girls movie came out when I was like seven or eight (laughs) years old. Spice Girls movie. I I love it. Give me some Sporty Spice all day long. Which one was Sporty Spice? That was uh, Beckham. That wasn't uh, the... That was Beckham's wife. Yes. No, David Beckham's was uh, the other one. uh, Posh Spice. Was it Posh? Yeah. Beckham's, I, I promise you. See, see, I don't even know. See, I it was mean, like the. I, yeah, I don't know. Grant, Grant should know this. He knew about the movie. Well, Melanie C was Sporty Spice. Okay. I don't know who David Beckham's wife was. Which one? Uh, no. Victoria. Victoria. Yeah, Victoria Beckham. Yes. Right, but I don't know which one she was. I bet I know I, who knows. Prob- uh, you know, yeah. You know who might know. I know. Might know our next guest. From CBS, it's Romy B. Romy, were you a Spice Girls fan? Uh, guys, I've been like waiting for you to bring me in on this. Posh Spice was David Beckham. Yes! Spice. As, as Nailed it! So fairly well known. It was Posh. Yeah. Nailed it! And, and I agree with Grant. Sporty Spice was the one. I was, was a tomboy growing up, so I was all in on Sporty Spice. Which one was Sporty Spice? Because I, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. I remember the, the one that was the, the young one with the blonde hair, and then there was like the older one with the red hair. Then there was, was Mel B? Yeah, and then there was like the one, uh, the African American one, and then there was the, is it the other one? The one I haven't mentioned so far? Mel B and Mel C. Yeah, and see, I get this all mixed up. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is what we brought you on for, Spice Girls Talk. Um, (laughs) So we do here on Spice Girls Country Tonight. Yeah, this this is what we're uh, what we're doing here, Spice Girls Country tonight. Benjamin Albright, Nick Ferguson, Grant Smith, Romy Bean joining on the KOA Central Hotline. How about the Nuggets making the NBA Finals, uh, mopping the floor in Game One, and then having uh, maybe a comeback to Earth in Game Two? Yeah, you know, Ben, I think come back to earth is the good way to put it. I think it's Michael Malone described it perfectly. He described it as perplexing, and it was. It was the first time this postseason that the Nuggets have come out not with the necessary effort and sense of urgency. And that's something that big picture is that concerning. Well, it can be concerning, right? That's you can't. We all know this. You can't coach effort, and it was just very unlike this team. Um, in the locker room after the game, Bruce Brown. We asked him about it, and he said that this team didn't have the right mentality like the past couple of days. So it's just really interesting because I thought going into this series, the one thing that I thought would be interesting was it's the first time all postseason where the Nuggets were the heavy favorite, where nobody was talking about the other team, right? Even after the Nuggets won against the Suns, against the Lakers, the conversation was about Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. It was about what are the Lakers going to do and how are LeBron and Anthony Davis going to come back. And it was never – it felt like – the Nuggets really never got their due. Well, now the tables have turned, right? Everybody 
thinks the Nuggets are going to win. They're heavy favorites to win it all. Miami's this scrappy eight seed. And I, I was wondering, we all kind of wonder, right, would that noise get to their head? I didn't think it would, and they came out in game one, and it didn't. But it kind of seems like it did in game two. So you don't love that. But what I do love is that after the game, the guys totally owned it, and they all said, Christian Brown said, maybe this was the punch of the mouth we needed. Uh, Bruce Brown said this was a wake-up call. So you felt like they were fully aware that, okay, that wasn't acceptable, that wasn't okay. So I think going forward, they'll be okay. still think they're the better team. You just got to play because this Miami team has no quit in them. Like, it is just, it's nothing like the Nuggets have seen throughout this postseason. I think if you go back to the first three rounds, for me, there was a moment in every series where you saw the other team quit. Like, you saw their backs break. That's not going to happen with this Miami team. So the Nuggets can't ever really sit back because that's why Miami has gotten to this point. I know the Nuggets are blue and gold, but would it behoove them to see a little more brown, both Bruce and... uh... Uh, and Christian in the uh, in the next game. Hey, you know what? I think those guys have earned extra playing time. And Christian Brown, uh, especially. I mean, I'm a big Bruce Brown fan, but let's talk about Christian. I mean, he came in there end of the first quarter, and then he was part of that run in the second quarter, where he not only helped the Nuggets dominate the non Jokic minutes, which is always the top of the conversation. But his hustle, man, he just goes for every play. And those two steals he had were fantastic. Or, you know, when he was faked the three and, you know, drove it to the rack, he just makes so many plays, and he's so poised. It's a guy that doesn't look like a rookie, right? And he played in a national championship last year, and you can tell he's just got the presence about him. Uh, same with Bruce Brown, too. I mean, Bruce, I've always said he's like a sixth starter on this team. And the truth is, MPJ's struggling right now. Uh, and this is one of those times where I think you got to make a tough decision as a coach. I think you don't make a drastic change just yet. But if MPJ struggles again in Game 3, I mean, he had five points in in Game 2. I believe he was two for 11 in Game 1. If he struggles again, Christian, Bruce, even Jeff Green have proven that, that they can fill in, not just fill in, but contribute and play important minutes. And so at this point, you guys know this, right? It's there's no time for hurt feelings. you got to play whoever gives you the best opportunity to win. But I think if, if MPJ does continue to struggle, it's something Michael Malone really does need to look at. So, Romy, long term, what does this mean for Michael Porter Jr.? Because you're talking about Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, and I think that these moves should be made. But long term, what does this mean for MPJ if he has these moments where he's not defending and he's struggling shooting? You know, I mean, big picture, he signed a really uh, big max contract, so probably nothing. Uh, but, no, I, I think it's all part of his growth. I think it's, it's a bad time to go cold. Uh, you know, MPJ's been really great in this postseason. And even in game one, I mean, his offense wasn't great, but he was great defensively. Ended up with a double-double. He had some really great, tough defensive contests, um, some great blocks. But then, you know, you saw him in game three, he just kind of, standing around, right, and, and not using his length. That's what makes Michael Porter Jr. so special. Um, it, it was just weird. It felt like this. he reverted a little bit, if you will, in these, like, in these two games. And I don't know what that is. Maybe that's just getting back in sync. Maybe he's just having a cold spell. But I think big picture, Michael Porter Jr. is really talented, and he really has bought in to this team mindset and his role and everything he needs to do. And I don't necessarily feel like I could see like a big regression coming from him. I think it's just he has to get out of the slump and get get out of it, get out of it right now. But 
he really is like the X factor for this team. You look at this and you know what you're going to get from Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. You know what you're going to get from Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Michael Porter Jr. has to be the fifth best player on the court if the Nuggets are going to win, plain and simple. And Michael Malone knows that. Everybody knows that. Maybe he's putting a little pressure on himself. Maybe that's what it is. Because he really does have to be the fifth best player for the Nuggets, you know, to win it all, I think. Do you think uh, this Nuggets team rested on our laurels a little, knowing as though they've had this excellent home record and they have a two-time MVP that can put up 41 points whenever he wants to? You know, I think what's so interesting about that, Nick, is if you look at the Nuggets, they are 0-3 this postseason when Jokic scores 40 points or more. They are, uh, I think, 13-1 and when he scores less than 40. So Jokic putting up 40 is not the recipe for success for this team. 40 points and four assists, that is not the stat line. And this was one of those times where I think everyone was kind of talking about the heat forcing Jokic to be a scorer. I don't think it was so much that as Jokic saw. He saw his guys didn't have it. They were cold. They, didn't, they, they weren't making shots, and he knew he had to take over scoring. But that has not worked. That's not the formula for success. The Nuggets are best when they're playing through him, when he's facilitating. And so I think that none of them like sit back and say, like, yeah, let's just let Yoke rack up the scoreboard, because they all know that they're at their best, and everyone's at their best when he's getting guys open looks. Um, but I think it just kind of goes back to, Nick, what Michael Malone, I mean, he came right out first thing off the top of the presser. Where he said, let's talk about effort, right? And you hate to hear that. <laughs> effort? You know, you know what it made me think of? Practice? <laughs> that, that, that's all I can think about when he's like, effort? We're talking about effort? Uh, and so it, I, th- I do think in many ways this was a rude awakening for the Nuggets. I think it's surprising because we didn't think we'd see this from this team um, and kind of need this rude awakening. But if you look back, this postseason has been relatively easy for them because they have just been so dominant and so much better than the T-Wolves, the Suns, the Lakers. I mean, it was even the adversity wasn't that adverse because they were just so much better. The Heat come in, they're the AC, they're kind of scrappy, you know, and you kind of look at their, their roster top to bottom, and you, I think maybe a lot of teams kind of say, okay, you know, we got this, but they have a very sneaky way of outworking whoever they are, right? And they will just, they're really good at capitalizing on the tiniest of mistakes. And I think the Nuggets got that, wake-up call that, okay, we, we can't sit back with this team at all. Maybe they did think it was going to be easy. Maybe it did go to their head, right? All the, all the press, everything that's happening between Game 1 and Game 2. But here's what I think is going to be interesting, guys. Going forward, this is the first dose of real adversity this postseason. Like, you look back on this postseason, you can't think of much adversity, right? They swept the Lakers, the Suns, they lost a couple games, but it was an easy bounce back. The T-Wolves was like, come on. So how are they going to respond? And I'm really interested to see how they respond now that they've had their true first dose of adversity and their true first dose of a team taking advantage of their mistakes. That's what the Heat are, a team that takes advantage of mistakes, and that's that's how they mm-hmm. beat you. Uh, they're not particularly great at anything, but they do have uh, they, they have run a bench that's about 10 deep where the Nuggets have only run seven or eight, and they're about to get Tyler Harrell back on top of that. Do you think that the Nuggets potentially being tired could be a part of the fact that they've been outscored by 10 and 11 points in the fourth quarter in these first two games? Well, what's interesting about that, Ben, is like, why on earth are the Nuggets tired? Thank I mean, you, Romy. Thank you. They had n- yeah, they had nine days off before the NBA Finals, but it does beg the question, I guess, is too much rest 
you know, a bad thing. That was tied for the third longest layoff before an NBA final in playoff history. You don't want to see anyone get that much rest, or I guess, but they shouldn't be tired. I mean, Miami came in and they've been playing these gritty games. They played in Boston on Monday and then they were playing in the NBA finals on Thursday. So if anyone should be tired, they're the ones that have to come into altitude. What's interesting about that, though, is the Nuggets' fourth quarter defense, that has been their calling card. They had had the best, one of the best clutch defenses in the NBA throughout the season and then through much of the playoffs, and the fact that that just disappeared. I don't know. Is that fatigue? But obviously that's very concerning that that's been one of their biggest things, why they've been able to just shut out these teams. And I talk about kind of those back-breaking moments in the past series. You saw them happen when teams just knew there was just no way they were coming back. And yet the Heat have found a way to somehow make that clutch defense irrelevant. I, I'm not really sure what the answer is. It certainly shouldn't be fatigue, though, right? Fatigue should not be the excuse because they are the more rested team. You, you are absolutely roaming, and that's what I was trying to tell Ben, but uh, I'm glad you were on to kind of drive that point home to him because <laughs> he didn't want to see it. But when we look at game one, Nicola and Jamal combined for 53 points. We know Nicola had 41. What is it that, in your mind, do you think that Coach Malone needs to do to get Jamal more involved in the offense in Game 3? You know, I, I think the biggest thing is, again, with with Yoke, it's, first of all, guys got everybody else has got to be hitting their shots and everybody else has got to be able to – he can't be in the position where he has to take over. I mean, we just talked about that, right? That's not the formula – for success. And the, the thing is, what's really interesting, you go back um, to the Lakers game three, it was game three, it was game three, um, and Jokic and Jamal just kind of took over in the fourth quarter. And Michael Malone said, Jokic called him the place. Like he called him Coach Jokic. Um, and so the chemistry between the two of them, I mean, it's unmatched, it's unguardable when they are on point. Sometimes you got to just let them get into their groove, let them find it early, too. But at the same token, the thing is what teams have tried to do and other teams have done this is get, get in Jamal's space, right? Because they know sometimes they feel like if they can't take away Yoke, at least we can take away Jamal and, and stifle him a little bit, get in his face. The Suns did it a little bit, and it did work, you know, a little bit. But eventually it's about continuing to wear teams down when your perimeter shooters are making shots. But when KCP and MPJ are combining for 11 points, I think maybe like three of 13, I don't know what they were combined, something along those lines, then all the attention is going to go to Jamal. They're going to dare those guys to shoot because they're not making anything. So what it comes down to at the end is the Nuggets have to be playing their brand of basketball, which is where you've got, you've got everybody you've got everybody going, everybody shooting. And the other big piece is Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon driving to the rack, being aggressive, and really dominating the paint. And all of these things we've seen from the Nuggets – all the postseason, but we didn't see it in the last game. And so it's very interesting, I just think, with this team. It's kind of like when one piece is working, they're all working. It's like a puzzle, right? They're all going together. And so they got to get back to that team game. And, hey, if that means throwing Christian Brown in for some extra minutes, throwing Bruce Brown in for some extra minutes, do it. Do whatever it takes because Jamal is going to find his groove at some point or another. It was a very uncharacteristic night of Jamal the night before and I think I think he'll get bounced back I, I really do 
Well, as we were making the boy band analogies earlier, Nikola Jokic as Justin Timberlake is going to get his. We need the other guys to uh, to continue to maintain. I need J.C. Chazé and Lance Bass to step up here, uh, or or else it's going to be uh, or else it's going to be troubling down there in Miami. So it's going to be bye bye bye. <laughs> That's oh. what I'm talking about, Romy. Well done, Romy. Always love it when you have a chance to pop on. It's Romy Bean, Romy underscore Bean on Twitter. Appreciate you stopping by. Hey, appreciate you guys. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk Broncos one of these days. Yeah, we'll do that next time. We'll talk a little Broncos. Hopefully during right, the parade. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> Take care, Romy. Romy Bean. Thanks for having me on. The uh, Romy is anchors the uh, CBS Sports newscast up there. Always love talking to her. She's doing, she's doing a heck of a job. I'm so uh, proud of the work that uh, she's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Romy's always been uh, always been good. Always been a friend of the program and. Uh, uh, we always love having her on. Yeah, she talked about a, a little bit about that right there off the top. Same thing we've been talking about. Everybody seems to be kind of uh, getting the point that, yeah, Nikola Jokic scoring 40 points isn't good. Um, you know, take away the thing that makes him special, which is his ability to pass, let him get his on the point side and remove everyone else from the equation. And that's how you deconstruct the Nuggets sometimes. But that goes back to the supporting Cavs not standing around, like Romy said about MPJ. You have to cut and move to the basket and give Nikola Jokic a moving target. Mm-hmm. Absolutely do. This is the Broncos Country Tonight here on KOA. Benjamin Albright, Nick Ferguson, Grant Smith. Back with you after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. From the station bringing you every Broncos game. Touchdown, Denver! This is Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports on KOA. Welcome back to it, Broncos Country Tonight. Grant, I've got to tell you, sexy never left. I was always here. They don't need, Justin doesn't need to bring it back. It's already here. How do you know Grant was referring to you won Benjamin Albright and he wasn't referring to himself? Because I'm an egomaniac and I assume it's all about me. Mm. That is true. <laughs> Benjamin Albright, Nick Ferguson, Grant Smith, Broncos Country Tonight here on KOA. You know, Kmart was on the Run It Back podcast, had some very interesting things to say about George Carl. Yeah, am I allowed to speak freely yeah, on here? Please do. This is your safe zone. Well, well <laughs> George Carl, first and foremost. <laughs> I know it's early in the morning, 7 o'clock, but hey, that's just the set. That's, the, that's just the way I feel about George Carl. Um, yes. Two. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, I, no love lost at all, as you can see. Fair no enough. 
Yeah, no. What happened was we were. I was everybody knows I was going through knee problems in Denver. Uh, I had two microfracture surgeries. I had my patella repaired in Denver, and I was having knee problems before the playoffs. Came up with an agreement. I was going to sit out a few games, get ready for the playoffs. George started Francisco Elson in my spot. Um, last few games, go to him before the playoffs. I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to start. He said he's going to start Francisco. He want to reward him. Who the f*** want to reward an NBA player? Um, <laughs> and so we lose game one against the Clippers. We go game two. I tell him we lost game one. Back in the starting lineup. Uh, I'm going to start Francisco again. Now, you, now you're messing with me. Now you're playing with me. <laughs> so we start the game. I played seven minutes in the first half. Like three minutes, yeah, maybe seven game minutes, and we was down at half. So towards the end of the second quarter, he put Greg Buckner in for Eddie Nahara. And me and Eddie played the same position. So I'm like, time going, I'm like, what is three minutes, two minutes, a minute hit? I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going back in. So by this time, I'm steaming. Like, if they could have did the old-school cartoon illustration on me with the smoke coming out my ears and my nose and my face beat red, that that would have been what they had on me on the bench in that moment. So I was the first person off the bench. I'm going to the locker room. Uh-oh. The team come in. And tell them how the, how the coaches meet in the hallway in L.A. before mm-hmm. they come in the locker room. I go right in the hallway while they're in there talking. I go, so I step in between the coaches and I let you. Oh, no. Threaten his, oh, no, I threatened his life and everything. I threatened his well-being. <laughs> like, I told him, man, you lucky it's free well choked for P.J. Carlissa. Because had, had that never happened, I would have beat George Carl up that day. Not choked him, I would have beat him up. Like, no question uh, about it. It would uh, That would have, my NBA career that day would have been. Had P.J. Carlissa never got choked. Wow. All right, like, I, then, I can yes. see that. I can so see now why I got suspended. So George wanted the team to suspend me. The team told George, you need to do it. Oh. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't. Of course he did. They had the uh, word got back through. Yeah. Yeah, that I was for the rest of the playoffs. He, he couldn't even put you on it? Huh? I mean, listen, man, at that moment. <laughs> he's not going to put Yeah, he's not. I, I don't no. know how to watch either. Oh, no. In that moment, it took a whole summer for me to be able to sit down in front of him. And before the next and before the next season, we had a sit down, and we came. I, he didn't have much to say. I told him, "You coach your team. You don't you don't say nothing to me about me to me, and we're gonna be all right. The first time you do, I'm on your ass. So, oh no, George can say nothing to me. Like he couldn't. He he coached his team. He didn't have anything to say to me. And and it's unfortunate that I was I wasn't able to get out of there. Um, but. They used it and they knew that they didn't have to worry about me doing my job. So I'm going to show up and play no matter what, no matter what my feelings are towards teammates, coaching staff, management, no matter what. I'm going to show up and do my job. And and they knew that. So that was the... No, that was the thing, but yeah, I don't like George Carl to this day. And <laughs> like, and I... We need a T-shirt. Yeah, right? I'm glad I asked. Uh, sorry, Shams, <laughs> I didn't mean to take over your question. Go ahead. Oh, no. You, no, 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 no. Everybody know it. And any Can't chance I get to put George on the burner, on the grill, <laughs> I put his ass on the grill every single time. That is a lengthy list of people that hate George Carl. I mean, a lengthy list of people 
that ab- that played for and absolutely despise George Carl. How does a coach get to that particular point where you have so many former players speak of you or speak ill of you in that way? And I know it is a weird dynamic between coach and player. And sometimes in the sake of trying to win games, you have to make tough decisions. I know that, right? That happens. But to have multiple players feel this way about a particular coach, I mean, that says a lot. And it's not just, you know, these guys are just kind of say a couple of things. I mean, it is long and ex- extensive. I mean, Kenyon Martin and just that audio itself, I mean, that that shows you that that venom or of what took place with that relationship and his time with the Nuggets still are with him to this day. George Carl has 20 more career wins than Phil Jackson. That's not like George Carl's a slouch as a coach. Right? He's like the sixth all-time winningest NBA head coach. All of that, in fact, is true. We cannot debate that. But now you're talking about the relationships with your players and how important that is. Like, let's just say, if we were to fast forward, I don't know, let's say 25 years from now, mm-hmm. right? Not knowing what, what, what game three is going to be in Miami or what the series is going to be, what do you think that some of the current Nuggets on this roster would actually say about Coach Malone? That's the question. I mean, how many of these guys are going to say, I mean, think about the guys that aren't here anymore, too. What's Bones Highland going to say? Well, 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 you, well, well Bones is probably going to be <laughs> King of Martin. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like, like we're, getting, we're getting the internal, you know, like, like as far as this goes. But, the, you know, what's Bull Bowl going to say? Well, Bo Bo was going to say, well, you know what? I was in a tough position from the outset, right? Yeah. And he could say that he never really received the opportunity to really display what he displayed when he was in college in Oregon. Well, right. That's the thing. He got, what, 12 minutes a game in his first season. Then he was getting five minutes a game over the next two seasons. With the Nuggets, the the Orlando Magic turn around and give him you know twenty two minutes a game, and he's good for you know nine point six boards and and a block and a half. He looks fairly decent from the field. I you know I I'm just saying that there are there may already be players out there that have the Kmart treatment for Michael Malone. I I can't confirm or deny. Well, we 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 already know. Well, Kmart for one of one of those individuals. J.R. Smith. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And I wonder, and we don't really hear a lot from this particular player, but I would love to hear what his kind of reflections are from his time in Denver, and that's Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. I'd, I'd listen to that. There's, there's been other players that have had things to say about George Carl privately that have been around Denver. But, was, not, but but not publicly. Yeah. I mean, Mark, Kmart, JR put him on blast. It feels like there was another player put him on blast publicly, and I can't remember who it is. But um, but privately, there have been players locally that have not been a fan of George Carl. See, I, I think about back to that 2006 team, and I mean, I was playing for the Denver Broncos at that time. Mm-hmm. And you have Andre Miller, Carmelo Anthony, mm-hmm. Marcus Camby, mm-hmm. Kmart was on that team. Earl Boykins was on that team. That that was a pretty competitive team. Which, wait, what, the 2012-2013 team? 
No, 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 2006. Oh, the 2006 team. I was yes. like, no, yeah, the 2016. Okay. Yeah, 2016, they won, uh, what was it, 44, 45 games, something like that that year? Yeah, that was a pretty talented team. But but also looking at that roster of the guys that I just named, th those are guys who have their own opinions and their own, their own perspectives. Just mm -hmm. think about, I, I wonder what Marcus Camby would say. Or what, what has he said, I guess, privately. Yeah. But but that, that that tells you a lot when a team or a coach, you're trying to Iguodala, pursue. That was the oh, one that we talked that blasted okay. him publicly. Yes. Sorry, it took okay, me a minute. Okay, there we go. So when, you, when you're in pr pursuit of a championship, and I know every coach has their own way of doing things, but players cannot do it alone. Coaches cannot do it alone. And when there is a divide, like Kenyon Martin said, when he came back that next year, he said to call, hey, you coach your team. Don't say nothing. You know what it was like? It was like when I was a kid and right before we went into any department store, mm -hmm. my, my mom would always give us this disclaimer. Don't ask for nothing. Don't touch nothing. Right? And that seems exactly what, you know, King was saying to George Carl. Hey, man, coach your team. Don't talk to me. Don't ask me to do anything. The moment you do, there's going to be some immediate tension up in this piece. There have been football players that have been like that. There have been football situations that have been like that. I'm here to do what you ask, but don't don't sit. We're not buddies. We're not pals. There's been tension between players like that before. It rarely makes its way into the public spotlight unless it's a quarterback, in which case you see it on the sideline. We famously saw John Gruden and Rich Gannon going at it all the time. Back when John Gruden was with the Raiders the first time. And then he was able to stick it to him when he went to Tampa. Well, yeah, because Mark Trustman never changed any of the calls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've never been in a situation where a player like Kenyon took the same position that he's taking with George Carl. Now, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen it where there's two, it's two players, mm -hmm. right? And, and that becomes somewhat of an issue and you have to work with that person and coexist just to make sure that you're able to go out there on Sunday and do your job. Mm -hmm. Now, I... I I'm not one of those individuals who name names, but I've been to situations like that in my time as a player yep. where there, there were players who, man, we just didn't get along. We were teammates, but we're not buddies. Yeah. Right? But just for the sake of the organization, we went out there and we tried to do what we needed to do because that's, that, that's what our job required. Do, doesn't that, I mean, were those situations, were those on winning teams? Yeah, that was on okay. winning teams. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's sometimes there is an element of that. Sometimes there is an element, hey, we're not friends, but we can come together and accomplish the mission. You know, like, I'm not your boy, but we're out here trying, trying to do the same thing and accomplish that. And you know what? It, I've, I've been on some teams that were not winning and that issue was there. But it was just kind of magnified, if you will, because we were not winning. Mm -hmm. And the problem was that you had someone who was a veteran who wasn't playing well, but he was getting on younger players about their performance. And it was like, well, hold on, man. H how can you get on a younger player about, about their performance when you're not doing what you're, you're supposed to be doing? And then you get one of those, you shut up. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I, I, escalation. Right. In a non-winning environment, it seems like that would exacerbate and create schisms. But in a winning environment, it seems like you can set that aside. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, that winning cures all. It does. 
but it didn't for George Carl. No, no, <laughs> no, it did not. Because, because saying, wait a George Carl's the sixth winningest head coach in NBA history, and he's got players coming out on the record laughing, talking about putting him on the grill. It, it's it's that that lack of respect. If you were to put George Carl in the same situation that the Nuggets are in now, right, you would probably have some of the same things happening, occurring. Mm. Guys later on after their careers speaking out. Could, could you imagine a guy uh, like Bruce Brown, right, being around a coach like George Carl and the way that some of these guys talk about their experiences and later asking him, well, what was it like to play for Coach Carl? Mm -hmm. And he's going to be candid. Mm -hmm. And we, we live in, like, 2006 is different than where we in the world we're living in right now, Ben, in 2023. Like, right. like, players would never do that. It's a different world, but it's interesting because that that social media hadn't come into its own yet. No, it six, Like, it was, MySpace was kind of just a thing. Facebook wasn't really popular uh, even yet and all that kind of stuff. It would be interesting to see some of these coaches in the social media era. No, it wouldn't. Oh, yeah. No, would. no, it wouldn't. Oh. I, I mean, for, for you, one Benjamin Albright, I mean, that that's great for you. But it, it wouldn't be good for. for I didn't say it would be good. I'd right. say it would be interesting. <laughs> like Jerry Springer wasn't good. Yes, but it was interesting. Well, well, you know what? It was quite entertaining because we would always watch Jerry Springer right before we went out to practice. See, there you go, right there. Trying to figure out who was the father. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, I can tell you. In the uh, it, Kmart thinks he was George Carl's daddy at this point. <laughs> it's funny he brought up the whole Latrell Sprewell. Uh, PJ Carlissimo. Car yes. That's yes. another one. Like, yes. right like, 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 bro. Like, Sprewell famously had a temper. But what was PJ Carlissimo? Like, like, what kind of nonsense was he doing? See, but once again, that would never happen in today's NBA. There's only a handful of players that I think would take things to that level. Mm -hmm. Boogie Cousins seems as though he may have that 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 tendency to to maybe want to do it, but. If Steve Kerr was not Draymond Green's coach and he was playing for someone else, he's definitely one of those players. He's a live wire that I, be, I believe he would go off on a coach in that way. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of players that, that like would, I mean, those kinds of situations. Ron, our, Ron, our test. Oh, yeah. Oh. We're a metal piece. Yeah. Metal, metal <laughs> piece, Ron, our test, whatever. Charles Sprewell, those guys that had those kind of fuses. But man, I can't think of anybody in the NBA today that would do that. No, that's why that's why the NBA is so different than what it was back during that time, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's why we, you can even see it by the play on the on the court. Like at one point, you know, you can hand check a guy. Mm -hmm. Now you can't. You, you can't even hand check you, anymore. I know. No, like I, I get fouled every play because that's what I'm. I'm, I'm hand checking everybody. At the yes, place. everybody. Yes, and, and the league is, is is so different now. That's why when you look at Nikola Jokic and his skill set. And everyone has that debate. Well, would he have been able to play in this era back then? You got darn right he would, mm -hmm. based on his skill set. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just still like, I'm still laughing at that. Like, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine like publicly roasting your old coach like that. Like, just, I mean, and not even like, you know, we had a disagreement. Like, hey, he didn't put him on the grill. Kmart broke out the flamethrower. Yes. 
He burned that hoe down. <laughs> hey, he sauteed some mushrooms with that too, man. He's like, if you're going full barbecue. Right. Yeah. If, hey. if he was cooking a steak, that would have been charred to a crisp. Yes, it well done. <laughs> you, you don't even recognize him anymore. It's not even a steak. He, he's so charred. Right? Mm -hmm. But once again, this is what it is. And sometimes players who were very vocal back in their day, now they get a chance to really unleash the beasts, if you will. Yeah. I just I can't see anybody in the modern NFL just choking or cussing out their coach like that. I don't know. This is the Broncos Country Tonight. It's Benjamin Albright, Nick Ferguson, Grant Smith. KOA, a 1 FM, News Talk Sports. I put his ass on the grill every single time. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.